This is Halftime Adjustments on WPXI Now. Welcome to Halftime Adjustments. It's that time of the week, Wednesday night, and we're happy to talk sports with you at the midway point of the week. I'm Albie Oxenrider, and joining us from our partner, DKPittsburghSports.com, our buddy, Chris Carter. How are you, Chris? Doing great. I'll be glad to be back on the show. Glad to be back and glad to be talking sports with you. And we're going to start this evening with the Steelers. The WPXI Steelers Training Camp Report, sponsored by SmailKia.com. All right, let's talk about the Steelers and what's happening so far. First of all, uh, Ben Roethlisberger getting a lot of praise from teammates and coaches that he's laser-focused, that he's on task, that he understands uh, and is committed to what he has to do. Uh, and Chase Claypool, uh, we've seen some early glimpses and a lot of excitement and praise from teammates as well, including Joe Hayden, who said uh, he's going to be a problem for a lot of secondaries. Uh, what's your take on Ben and Chase Claypool and anything else happening at Steelers camp? Everything I've seen and heard, Albie, about Ben Roethlisberger's recovery is that he looks like he's back in form as far as throwing the football. The Steelers have said, Mike Tomlin did say they, they have him on a pitch count. They're monitoring how much he throws. They don't want him to overthrow right now um, because, yeah, he's still in his late 30s. He's still a guy that needs to be monitored. But it, by all means, we're looking at these passes. He's getting better. Uh, Mike Tomlin acknowledged when camp first opened a couple weeks ago that uh, that Ben Roethlisberger's spiral could be a little bit tighter. Well, just yesterday he said his spiral is tighter and it's getting better. We're seeing him throw more on point into passing windows against live coverage. There's some really good stuff there. And I think that there's that Ben Roethlisberger cert certainly making progress with the, with, with, with his arm. And it looks like he's going to be able to develop a rapport with, with his receivers. He had a lot of connections with Juju Smith-Schuster yesterday in practice, which I think was a very good sign that he's going to get that with the rest of his receivers. As far as Chase Claypool, Albie, he is turning heads. Now, we all knew this guy was six foot four. He's like 235. He runs a 4'4", 240-yard dash. He's got the build to be a pure number one receiver in the NFL that, that gets behind the defense and goes up and wins the jump balls. But now we're seeing that he's contorting his body. He's catching the ball away from, the ball away from his body. Those type of things, when you're able to use your hands to snatch in a ball that's away from your frame – that makes you um, that much bigger of a talent. And they've seen that in the first two days of padded practice, Albie, with him catching balls over Joe Hayden. Joe Hayden, who acknowledged in his own press, press availability on Tuesday that Claypool, that people saw him get beat by a touch, for a touchdown by Claypool, but he acknowledged it's been multiple times now that Claypool's gotten the best of him. And that's the Steelers' most veteran cornerback and their best cornerback. And if he's being able to be him in training camp, yes, it's just training camp, that's a, still a very good sign that this rookie could be far ahead of what they expected. You know, it's interesting, the fact that Chase Claypool is a second-round pick, but uh, he, he's getting a lot of attention. I know he's the Steelers' first pick of last year's draft, but for a second-round pick overall, this guy is certainly, uh, certainly uh, garnering a lot of attention. Absolutely. And the thing is, is that you also got to remember, he's now the fourth straight receiver the Steelers have selected in the first three rounds over the past years. You have Juju Smith-Schuster in the second round. You have James Washington in the second round. You have Deontay Johnson very early in the third round, almost a second round pick. And now you have Chase Claypool, another second rounder. That's four straight receivers. You got three guys in front of him and he's, and he's exciting people. He's getting people ready for him to be part of the offense. 
in an offense where they already have a lot of young talent on, you know, at, at the wide receiver position. I think that that's absolutely saying something about his skill set. And what people are saying now is that if you look at the skill set of these receivers, you have Juju Smith-Schuster, who's able to, who's able to work against and, and make those, those, those uh, combat catches. You have Deontay Johnson, who's great at creating separation. You have James Washington, who can go up and get the football. Now you have Chase Claypool, who's faster than any of those receivers and goes up and gets the football. This might be the diverse, the most diverse pool of talent the Steelers have had at wide receiver, and that's saying something considering they just had Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Mark Davis Bryant on the same roster just three years ago. Yeah, and Ben Roethlisberger, uh, you know, a lot of people, uh, I mean, let's face it, everybody has been looking at Ben Roethlisberger to see, especially in the early days of camp, what does he look like? Is he able to throw? Uh, ben has insisted that everything feels fine. But he's getting some praise for things other than uh, the fact that he looks good on the field. It's those other things, those intangibles. Mike Tomlin talked yesterday when Dotson, the, 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 the rookie uh, lineman, got hurt. Ben was uh, the first one to jump up and help him off the field. He says, these are the type of things that you expect from leaders, and that's what uh, you're seeing with him. We also heard it from uh, uh, some of his teammates. Um, Joe Hayden was talking about him. Uh, I, I just it, – it's you get a feeling that, that there's a, uh, a new Ben Roethlisberger and more than just a Ben Roethlisberger with, a, with an elbow that's been repaired. This is a guy that understands that his window is closing – and that they have to capitalize on the team they have now. And one of those things that you'll see from him is the leadership that he's, that he's been praised for. Certainly. One thing that Ben said before the season even started was that when you look at how the Steelers, uh, how he's played with the Steelers over the years, don't forget that he came in his rookie, se his rookie season after two games and has started every game since. He's never had the time to sit back and watch how an offense operates from the sideline, study it for, for, a, for a good bit of time and say, okay, this is, how, how this, is, this is how this is being processed. This is how we're getting this information in. This is how I would approach it from a, from a third-person perspective. He got that all of last year, and he said that's absolutely contributed to how he's looking at this season. I think that that's absolutely contributing to his, his factor as a leader. You saw even on Tuesday, Kevin Dotson went down with an injury. Ben Roethlisberger stayed with him the whole time, helped him up, helped him to the sideline. Everyone's acknowledging that, Ben, he's been that leader before. He's been that guy that challenges people. But now you see him being even more integral, making sure that even the young receivers are developing a relationship with him. James Washington, back in his rookie season of 2018, said he was intimidated by Ben because they didn't interact much and he didn't talk to him and he didn't know much about Ben. Now, not only does James Washington know him, Chase Claypool's getting familiar with Ben Roethlisberger. I think that shows that he's learned from some of the things that his team yeah. has told yeah. him, and now he's taking that, those lessons and applying that to be the leader that Steelers need. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that some, some criticism and some observations on his leadership in the past, maybe he took that to heart. And this year that he had off from football, uh, maybe that was one of the things that he recommitted himself to doing. Hey, Chris, thanks. We're going to talk more Steelers after this. Uh, yeah, the always interesting topic of contracts. What should they do? What shouldn't they do? Which way should they go? There are some interesting choices and some interesting situations coming up. We'll talk about that and more as Halftime Adjustments continues. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Halftime Adjustments. I'm Albie Oxenrider, and yes, we are talking Steelers with Chris Carter from DKPittsburghSports.com. It's that time of the year. You know, before we get into our topic for this segment, Chris, I was thinking that in a normal year, training camp at St. Vincent would already be wrapping up or wrapped up. Um, it, it's even though the pads just started on Monday uh, at Heinz Field, um, the, the Steelers would be deep into their training camp at this point uh, if it were a normal year. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we're, we're thinking about this time last year, the Steelers, you'd be halfway through preseason. You'd be talking about, you know, what player matchups they're getting ready to head back to UPMC sports complex on the South side. Uh, that would be, it, it'd be a whole different part of the season. And that would lead to a different, you know, a different set of circumstances um, because also they, they would be a lot more sure about what next year looks like. And with knowing what next year looks like, they could make a lot more decisions as far as who they want to sign, who they want to keep. Um, and I think right now that that's part of the, the that's the big elephant in the room with a lot of decisions that the Steelers have to make in their front office coming up. Yeah, uh, well, let's let's segue right into that. Um, uh, Cam Hayward and Juju talked about it on Monday. You know, when you have decisions like that, and I know that a lot of people understand the importance of Cam Hayward, not only for what he does on the field, but for the leadership we talked about in the last segment with Ben. Um, but, but you have a, a, a guy like Juju who's a – uh, got great upside, and we've seen a glimpse of what he can do. Certainly early in his career, we saw a big glimpse. Last year was a little bit different, but, you know, perhaps that was for other reasons other than Juju, and, and, and certainly injuries come into play as well. So what do you see the Steelers doing? What do you think they should do when it comes to contracts like that? So you're going to have a few, a lot of decisions next year. Here's the situation, Albie. That because of COVID-19 and all the situations going, going around in the NFL and in the world – They've had to set a floor of, a, of what the salary cap could be lowered to next year to $175 million. And that does not mean that, that that's where it will be next year. That means that it will go no lower than that. So if that is that, if worst comes to worst and the revenue isn't as high because ticket sales and all that, the Steelers say that everyone's salary cap next year is $175 million. Well, as it stands right now with next year, even without re-signing anybody, the Steelers would be about $14 million over. Now, the Steelers still could use contract extensions, making some moves, move some guys around. They could whittle that down and make some moves, but it would limit what they can do in free agency this year. Consider consider this: they still have to they still have to look at what they're going to owe Cam Hayward. That's the that's what probably arguably the biggest name on, on the decision table right now. Cam Hayward said said you know on uh, earlier this week when he spoke, he said, "I love Pittsburgh. I love the city. I love the team. I love my teammates, but it takes two to tango." That tells me that the Steelers haven't felt comfortable enough with looking forward that they know who they need to keep and what they need to do with their salary cap. And the Steelers have done this before. Just a year ago, Albie, when we saw Antonio Brown, when they were trying to figure out what to do with him, there were no other moves made until they figured out how to get rid of Antonio Brown and what they would get back with him so that they knew what foundation they were working from. And they took their time. And once they did that, you saw the free agency signings, you saw the, the, rookie, the rookies you know, get targeted, and then we saw the Steelers start to be, make, make a lot more decisions. 
You're going to see that now this year, but the problem is there's no big move like signing or, or trading Antonio Brown away. Right now it's more of a sense that, okay, we can get a, a lock in on what our salary cap might be next year if you're the Steelers, and they got to they gotta look at that and say, okay, who can we afford? Because Cam Hayward, right now he's the second best interior defensive lineman in all of football, only behind Aaron Donald, who some say is the best player in all of football. You've got to keep a guy like Cam Hayward around. He's a local guy. He's also one of the best players in the NFL. And on top of all of that, he's the soul of your defense. He's been the face. He's been the voice. You want that around, especially with all the young talent that you have. But at the same token, you still have to consider what happens to Bud Dupree. He's going, he's going to, he's still got, he still has to get signed next year. TJ Watt is going to be on his fifth year option. He's taking about up about $10 million in cap space. But Juju Smith Schuster, James Conner, all those guys, they need to be resigned as, as well. I think that James Conner, like Juju Smith Schuster, he's seen running back after running back be drafted after him. It's going to be hard to see them keep him uh, unless it's for a really front team friendly deal that, that, that to keep him around. The same thing goes for Juju Smith Schuster. Three wide receivers have been drafted in the early rounds after him. I see it hard to keep both of those guys and maybe even either of those guys when you have to still have to pay a Cam Hayward and maybe even a Bud Dupree. Well, uh, before the season uh, even started, uh, in fact, it might have been after last season, but it was before you know things heated up with uh, the Steelers in the situation with COVID and everything else. Cam Hayward talked about the possibility that the, the year coming up this year uh, could be his last in Pittsburgh. And, and, and I think that he's well aware of what the business situation is of football. You talked about the cap um, and the situation that they might have with that. Are the Steelers entering a trouble zone here with, with a, a, the difficulty of trying to manage that cap with all these different players that they have coming up? No more than – a lot of other teams because when you look around the, the, the league Albie the Steelers are actually like towards the bottom they're like like the I'd say the bottom half of the league when it comes to spending and 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 what's and what's available um because if you if you look at if you look at next year there there are gonna there are teams you know like the Eagles that are already weighing over their heads 51 million dollars over the cash base the, the the Eagles the Saints the Falcons the Chiefs the Texans the Raiders they're still all going to be teams that have to figure out figure out a lot of stuff the Steelers they can make some moves don't forget Ben Roethlisberger has a 40 million dollar cap hit next year I can see if Ben's healthy this year and has a good year, and he already said he wants to win Lombardies with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and, and, and uh, implicating that hey, he feels he's going to be not just not just around, but good enough to be around for for a few more years. Say they say he says, all right, give me two more years of extension. We could push some of that money that would be due in next year's cap down the line to those final two years. That opens up some more space. You can look at other veterans like David DeCastro, maybe Marquise Pouncey, guys like that that you can that you can figure out and say, hey, here's more cap space so we can get these younger guys and keep them on the team so we can win right now. All right, Chris, thanks for those thoughts. Back with more halftime adjustments right after this. We're talking college football and Pitt when we come back. And welcome to our final longer segment here on the uh, Halftime Adjustments for this week. I'm Albie Oxenrider with Chris Carter. We've talked about the Steelers and what's happening in the NFL and what's happening with those future contracts that are coming up. Now we're going to talk about Pitt and college football and what might happen with Pitt this year. I know the situation, Chris, is still very much up in the air. Uh, Pitt is committed to playing at this point. 
but I still have to wonder how a good number of teams in college football cannot play and a good number of teams can play, how they'll make that work. But specifically about Pitt, we know they have a tough schedule uh, based on the way they redid things. They have some very, very difficult games on this schedule. Uh, but without Jalen Twyman, how good do you think Pitt can be? Here's the thing, Albie. Even without Twyman, a guy who projects as a mid-first-round pick and maybe the second-best interior defensive lineman of this of this upcoming draft class, and that says something because this is a talented group, they still have talent abound on their on their def, on their def, on their defense, not just in their defensive front, but across the board. Think about this, Albie. As dual edge rushers, they get Patrick Jones, Patrick Jones, the second back. He is a redshirt senior. He had eight and a half sacks last year. Looked really good off the edge. He projects is a third round draft pick right now by by a lot of different uh, professionals in in, the, in that business. And he looked like even with Twyman, he was gonna, he was going to be in there. Now without Twyman, he might be the focus. But they're also getting back a couple guys. Rashad Weaver. Another redshirt senior. He's coming. He's going to be coming off the other edge. We spoke to him on Monday uh, uh, with the Pittsburgh media, and he missed last year. But in his last full season of 2018, he had six and a half sacks as he as a, as a redshirt sophomore. That guy is that that guy is going to be dangerous in the interior. Keyshawn Camp, who, who also missed last year, he had some injuries, but he looks like he could be a guy that could win with different swim moves and different and different interior moves to be a solid player. And they and. Coach Narduzzi has been really amping up the guys that are filling in for Twyman, which are the younger redshirt sophomores. Tyler Bentley right now looks to have the edge of the position from what we're hearing, but don't, don't overlook the guys like Devin Danielson David and David Green. Both of them look like they're, they're working their ways in there. And again, all these guys are young. These are redshirt sophomores. But what's really great about this defensive front, when you look at that, Keyshawn Camp, Patrick Jones, Patrick Jones II, and Rashad Weaver, all seniors, all guys that know this program, know their jobs, and know what they need to do under defensive coordinator Randy Bates. And they are backed up with a group behind them that also knows what they're doing. In the in the linebacker situation, you got Chase Pine, another redshirt senior. You got Phil Camp Campbell III, another redshirt senior. And especially in the secondary, where guys are going to be very familiar with each other. The pairing safeties, DeMar Hamlin and Paris Ford. DeMar Hamlin, redshirt senior, he, he talked to Paris Ford before, the, you know, before they even came in. They made sure with each other that they were both going to play this year because they wanted another chance to play. And Paris Ford's a guy, he could have gone into the NFL draft last year. He could have gone in, been a decent draft pick, but they, he believed in what they're doing at Pitt, and he wanted to come back and play for the Panthers. That's exciting. And when you look at the rest of the secondary, Paris Ford's a redshirt junior, but everyone else is a senior and has started and knows their position. You got Jason Pinnock and, and, and Damari Mathis on the outside cornerback positions. Hamlin and Ford got really good chemistry with Ford being the X factor in the secondary. And you still got players like Phil Campbell at the linebacker. You're going to have guys behind this defensive front, which I still view to be one of the best in the ACC. They could be really be able to wreck shop. And then that will allow those guys to be playmakers and attack the football. Well, uh, they will need all that and more with this schedule that they have. Mm -hmm. um, some very difficult games. Uh, you know, there's some there's some people in, uh, in the pit world that think that they really got the short end of things when they redid this. Um, your thoughts on what they have uh, in terms of challenges on this schedule? Well, I mean, they got to play Clemson. That's going to be a huge deal. Whether or not there's fans there or not, that's the best team in the country. They continue to produce talent upon talent upon talent. Um, 
I think that another factor of this is they're going to have to deal with a lot of challenges. A defensive coordinator, Randy Bates, said a couple weeks ago that what he's doing is he's taking out different players at different points of practice to say, you got to win without this guy because what if this guy has to quarantine for two weeks and then we can't rely on him? He, they want to emphasize to the, to, the, to the younger players in this program, hey, depth guys, you're going to be needed this year especially. I think that that's going to be one of the biggest challenges is keeping that together. But also, there might be something brewing here of a lot of, like, you know, belief in each other because these guys have to be around each other a lot more closely. Uh, Coach Pat Narduzzi explained to us the UPMC protocols that these ha- guys have to go through. That's forcing them to kind of be – and one thing that DeMar Hamlin said said to us, and he was talking with Patrick Jones, and he said, you know, they, that they were talking with Rashad, Rashad Weaver. They were saying, you know what – Practice is the one place that these guys don't have to think about all these otherworldly things with COVID-19, with the dangers of being out there. And, you know, will you be contaminated? Because they know practice is a safe place. Everyone's tested negative and everything's clean there. That might be a boost that brings this team together. And they, again, they have a lot of guys coming back this year, even on the offensive side of the ball. Tazir Mack is coming back at wide receiver. You got Kenny Pickett being the quarterback that's, that that knows this system. They brought back Jimmy Morrissey at, at, at center, which is really good. Bryce Hargrove backs, backs him up at, at, at the guard position. There's going to be a lot of interesting talent that I think that, that could brew for this team because there's so many seniors that have been in this program for so long, and I think that that chemistry will, will, will pull this team through some tighter situations, and who knows? They might pull off some upsets, and, and Albie, I really think if, if Coach Narduzzi is able to pull off some of those upsets, upsets this year, it might get a lot of more people in the country to say, you know what, this is one of the teams that stuck through this season. They were in the ACC and they outperformed on, on this on this stage, maybe this helps them with recruiting down the line. All right. Uh, you know, when, when our producer, Dean I'm Pietro, says, rap, you finish your thought, it's almost perfect timing as if you knew. <laughs> almost. I mean, I who knows what Dean could be thinking, but no one cares what he's thinking. <laughs> Boom. <We'll> be, <laughs> we're back with our final thoughts on halftime adjustments right after this. And welcome back to our final 75 seconds here on Halftime Adjustments. Chris, I'm going to just ask you real quickly, what do you think will happen with high school football and college football, and what do you think will happen? What should happen? What will happen? I think every program needs to look at the possible, uh, at what they can invest in, what they can talk about, and say, hey, can we keep our players safe? That's the bottom line. Is there a serious risk to our players? If there is, they have to shut it down. But some programs are, are, are showing, like Pitt, that, that with the help of, of the hospitals like UPMC and everything like that, they, they can provide a safe environment for their players. If high schools can do that, great. But if you have any chance that these kids are going to be in serious danger of getting long-term effects for, from COVID-19, you cannot put these children at risk. Um, so you think high school will play? I think that there's some programs that are showing, hey, we can isolate our children and, and keep the thing. I think there's going to be some teams that play, but I think there's going to be a lot of local decisions from, from different groups. It's not going to be a wholesale thing where everyone plays, just a few people. All right. Thank you, as always. We always care what you think here on Halftime Adjustments. For Chris Carter, I'm Alvy Oxenrider. Thank you for joining us on WPXI Now. See you next week.